Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Come on, why don't y'all give it up for Jesus one time? Come on, he's worthy of praise. Hopefully he's already spoke to you. Look at a couple people and say, God is gooder than you think today. He is so good. He's already been working in this place. I just want to encourage you, um, and God's doing something so special in our church. We had 82 water baptisms last week. I've never, I've never been a part of that. I've been pastoring here for 15 years. I've heard stories of things like that, but uh, to see 82 people get water baptized, I was like, I don't know. I have to count the number. We counted t-shirts. We counted signups. We counted towels. We, everybody told me it was 82 people. And so if you were one of those, congratulations. I believe God just has his hand on you in a new way. So thankful for you and uh, your boldness and just taking steps as a church together to believe God. And you're making a difference um, just in this city. I want you to know this is not just a gathering. You're, you're making a difference. This isn't just a room of people. This is a room of power. Amen. It's a room filled of, of powerful things. And, uh, and I, I'm hearing, I, I, was at, uh, I was out in the community and, um, and I, was, it was at, I, I said it like that. For, I was out in the community. I was at the golf range. <laughs> I wasn't like... <laughs> I wasn't at like a big event, you know, in the community. I, I, I was at the golf range and I was uh, hitting golf balls about 35, 40 feet away. There was a gentleman that had, I guess, been in our church last week and he was telling his friend about the water baptisms at one of the services and how crazy it was. He said, I couldn't believe it. He goes, he goes it's this place called Transformation Church. I just want to say, you're making, you're changing the city. Like you're impacting the community. You are, you're making a difference uh, in this region. And so um, I, I just, I want to encourage you in that. I don't want to take it for granted. I don't, I don't want to get casual with it. Come on, I, I, it'd be easy to just like get casual as church. You know, when churches get casual, um, then, then we just stay where we are. Like we're called to reach, love, give, build, serve, touch the world, uh, disciple those 82 people that got, that got water baptized, get into connect group, get into community. It's, it's powerful. And um, I, I, don't, I don't want to take it for granted, the miracle God's doing in front of us. And so um, I'm going to go into a series. We're going to start a new series today. Uh, called Boot Camp. We had two people give their life to Christ first service, say yes to a fresh start with Jesus. Um, and so I, I'm just so encouraged by the, what God's going to say to you today. Um, he's been speaking to me through this. The series Boot Camp is going to go for several months. It's going to be a longer series. Uh, but for the next three to four weeks, we're going to deal with the book of Ephesians. Um, Paul wrote the book of Ephesians. They call it the, the climax of his, of his, or the crowning climax of all of his letters. They think it's the kind of the, the, be, the, the, the most amazing uh, composition of man to, that we've ever had, uh, the book of Ephesians. Uh, many theologians break it up into uh, two sections, the first three chapters and the last three chapters, um, or it can be broken up into uh, three two-section chapters. And so uh, I'm going to speak to you from the book today, uh, really out of basically the summation of chapter one and two, but it's really important that you open your heart and uh, open, your, open your mind to what God has uh, for you in this first part. The series Boot Camp, uh, if you know anything about Boot Camp, come on, how many veterans or military service people do we have in the room? Come on, thank you for your service. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your sacrifice. Um, 
So you've been to boot camp. Uh, boot camp is designed after you've been enlisted uh, to turn you into a soldier. You enlist in a nice office somewhere in town, then you go to boot camp. Boot camp is where they prepare you, uh, ch- train you, change you, uh, pull out. Uh, just one one thing I read about boot camp was that um, you they actually pull out the civilian from you and put in the soldier. And so there's a lot to do with uh, mental training and and under, renewing the mind and understanding who you are as a civilian versus a soldier, learning to obey, follow orders, becoming a warrior in the kingdom of God. That's what this series is going to be a lot about. We had Easter. We had a lot of people give their life to Christ. Many of you have given your life to Christ. You've enlisted, but but many of you still have a lot of civilian tendencies in your life uh, that God wants to turn into more of a soldier tendency in his kingdom. And uh, I say it this way, this is not a cruise ship. The church is not a cruise ship. This is a, this is a battleship. This is, this is not like I get to go to a different room on the cruise ship if I don't like the music. I get to go to a different buffet. I get to go to, you know, oh, let me just get what I like and what tastes good to me on a cruise ship and let me get a little, you know, uh, uh, whatever kind of music you might like. No, no, no. This is a battleship. It's all hands on deck. It's every man and woman to their stations. It's how are we uh, becoming a part of the army of God in the earth. And so I, that's what I want to focus on for the next couple, really months, is um, just a boot camp mentality, being an a army for God. Um, not being casual. I think sometimes it's easy to be in America and to be in the American church. And uh, we can be in the room uh, with Christ, but not in Christ sometimes. And so we're going to look at that today as Ephesians and Paul talks about being in Christ. Um, I was listening to Christian radio the other day and it was just talking about some warriors being, being the church. Um, I was listening to, they were talking, it was actually, it was, it wasn't Christian radio. It was a financial, um, radio announcement or whatever on a financial radio program. And they began to talk about, oh, and all the problems and not, you know, you know, oh, and how Americans and it's all turning political already. And they're beginning to say all the stuff they say all the time. Like Americans are feeling it. And, you know, the price of eggs is more and the price of meat. And if you're feeding a family of five and you're and they're like, you know, and I look, I'm not discounting that. I know things are expensive. I know gas is expensive. I know all that. But they're saying all that and they're saying all that and saying all that. And they're like, you know, it just, you know, you can't tell Americans this because they could feel it at their home. They can really feel it now when this is happening. I heard the Holy Spirit say, what do you think my sons and daughters feel in other nations? He's like, what, what do you think your, your family members are going through in other nations? And we, we can feel it, yes, but we don't feel it like anything like some of the nations and our brothers and sisters that have been fighting the battle of faith for years and centuries and decades against the powerful uh, demonic forces. And we've been blessed in this nation and we carry a great blessing, but there's great responsibility and we can't just sit back and be casual as the church. We can't be casual. We had... Uh, about 25 young students on, this, on the floor last week just praying for the power of the Holy Spirit to encounter their life. Can't be casual with people that in the community that are hearing about baptisms and talking about what God's doing in a room like this. We can't be casual with the young waitress at the, at the first watch that we get to pray for because her son is in special needs school and she can't pay for it, but men can come around her and pray and she can say, I see life in you guys. We can't be casual with the witness and with the calling and with the responsibility that God's given us to a community and to a region that needs the word of Christ. 
So we're going to go into boot camp. We're going to look at battling uh, Ephesians. It says in Christ and in the heavenlies often. Um, what that's doing is it's taking a new perspective from God's point of view in the heavenlies, in Christ, in the heavenlies, you're in the heavenlies. It's going 30,000 foot view of your salvation. It's actually uh, telling us all that God has afforded to his people that love him from a 30,000 foot perspective. I mean, know that 30,000 feet is a lot of power in new perspective. There's information, but there's not always power in information. There's power in perspective. And, and so God's given us a perspective of who we are and where we sit. And here's what's so important about the book of Ephesians. The first three chapters deal with your position. And I'm going to deal with that today. Your position. The second three chapters deal with your practice. Position and then practice. And you have to get your heart and mind open to your position. Because if not, you'll never be able to practice what God's called you to practice. It's always position before practice. It's never practice and imposition. That's called religion. That's called rules. Rules without relationship equal rebellion. And so what the church has done is given rules, rules, rules. Don't, don't, don't. Or live like, live like this, not like that. But no position in Christ, no power, no, no relationship. And now it's just behavior modification without a belief system of who you really are. And so, and so my heart for this is to get into you your position today. Because in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to tell you how to live. That's what Paul does. Paul says, this is who you are. This is your position. Now quit acting a fool. <laughs> and so I'll give you a couple of disclaimers in the next couple of weeks that I love you. <laughs> but, but Paul says, you got to know who you are first. You got to know where you're seated. And he talks about being in Christ. It's, it's always position and then practice. And so I'm going to pick up in Ephesians 1. I'm going to go in the message translation. Come on, anybody like the message version? The message, yep, thank you. All you King Jimmy people, you're going to hate me today, but that's okay. <laughs> Ephesians 1, 3. This is in New King James. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Everybody say every. every. He's blessed us with every, every, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Some theologians say that's the summation of the book, in heavenly places. In heavenly places. Not, not on the finance radio stressing out. Yeah. Not worrying about the, the eggs. Not worrying about the next election. Not the next conspiracy theory. Not the next uh, cultural agenda. In, in heavenly places. In heavenly places. Where are you? You're in heavenly places. I'm not saying that we aren't any earthly good, but you've got to be in heavenly places in position to begin to be who God called you to be. We're in heavenly places. Ephesians 1, 11 through 19. Very powerful verses of scripture. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Yeah. Huh. It's in Christ that you figure out why you're here. Yeah. Not in your job, not in your title, not in what culture says, not in what, what's your favorite genre of music. It is in Christ. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. Come on, God's got his eye on you. He had designs on us for glorious living. Not for small living, not for struggling, for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything, every, in everyone. You're a part of everything and everyone. You're not just distant and isolated. You're a part of it. He has designs on you. It is in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, the message of your salvation, you found yourself, listen to this, home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. Although that's all past tense. Signed, sealed, and delivered. You're, you're home free. You're free to be 
what God called to be signed, sealed, delivered. The signet from God or the down payment from God is the first installment of what's coming, a reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. Again, there's glorious life again. That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks, but I do more than thank. I ask. I ask the God of our master Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally, not, not, just, not just being around him, but that you would know him. The first part of our mission on the wall out there is to experience Jesus, experience God, that you'd walk in this room and go, something's in that room. God's speaking to me in a new way. I heard the voice of God. I, I've got hope again. Like you would experience God, not just, not just know about God. Paul says, I pray that you would be intelligent and discerning, knowing him personally. And now the eye, your eyes would be focused and clear. So you discern God, you'd know God, and discern, now you're focused and clear so that you can see exactly what he's calling you to do. That you could grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life. Again, that, that you would discern God and know that all glory and all good life comes from serving him. Comes from doing it his way. Comes from understanding who he is and comes from actually surrendering to him. This glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him, endless energy and boundless strength. Who could use some of that endless energy, somebody? Apart from your Red Bull, come on, we're talking about some Holy Spirit, endless energy. I, by the way, I don't drink coffee before I preach. Aren't y'all thankful? <laughs> Ephesians 20 through 23, all this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from the dead and set him on the throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power are exempt from his rule. Come on, no election, no country, no war, no situation that's got you stressed out, no financial market, no price of eggs. No, nothing is exempt from his rule. No galaxy and no government. Well, pastor, it's, so, it's a mess out there, and I, can't, I don't like this president, I don't want that, and here comes the election. You better get this verse in your spirit before this next election comes. We better get this into our life before we worry about the stock markets and the fight. I'm telling you like this, nothing is exempt from his rule. You're so worried. He's up there playing chess. You're down here worried about checkers. Yeah. Nothing like, well, I don't, I don't like this and that it's, I don't have, he has everything under his control. He's got it covered. Come on. Isn't that, doesn't that bring you some comfort? Like nothing's exempt from his rule. He's in charge of it all has the final word on everything. He's got the final word on your wayward son or daughter. He's got the final word on that addiction. He's got the final word on that depression. The final word on if you're going to make it. The final word on that marriage. He's got the final word on your job. He has the final word on everything. He's got the final word on the thing you can't get through and get over. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. Listen to this. The church, you see, us, not the building, us, baptisms and forgiveness and worship and hands in the air and praising God and greeting each other with a brotherly smile and a handshake and a how are you and, and, and believing God and the spirit of God and prophesying and, and, and talking to one another and, and, and giving each other hope. The, the church, authority and leadership and biblical apostolic teaching and the, the church, listen, the church, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. 
Culture does not dictate who wins. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. That God speaks and acts in our community, in your home, in the situations you're facing through this. This is not peripheral to everything else you're worried about. This is the center of all of it. And we as Christians, a lot of times can make this peripheral and we're okay to be in the room with Jesus, but not seated in Jesus. There's a difference between, between being in the room and being in him. And the Bible says that this is the center of the world. When we forgive, when we love, when we serve those that aren't like us, when we pray for our enemies, when we Bless those that curse us. When we ask God to use those that maybe never everyone else discarded. Come on. This is the, the church. This is what he says in Ephesians 2, 4 through 8. And I'll end with this and pray. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. But God, who's rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespass, you and I were dead. No, you can't raise it. No one can raise something dead except Jesus. Even when we were dead in trespass, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And listen, and raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. My title for today, my assignment to preach to you from today is, it's assigned seating. It's assigned seating. Come on, let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for your assignment. Thank you for our position. Thank you that we get to be seated in you. I pray for a 30,000 foot perspective of who we are and what we have in you today. I pray that our position would be strong so that our practice could be strong. I pray that you would just boot camp us today. God, get, let us uh, renew our mind a little bit. Lord, put in the soldier, pull out the civilian a little bit in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. It's assigned seating. I don't know about you, but one of the most stressful events of my life um, is when I go out to dinner with a lot of different families and, and, and larger families, and it's not assigned seating. Come on, anybody? The, everyone's trying to figure out where to sit. Any, does anybody get sitting? And Where do I sit anxiety? Like uh, the ladies want to sit by the ladies. The guys want to sit by the guys. The kids are screaming and yelling. I don't want to sit by the kids if they're screaming and yelling. I want to sit at the other end of the table, but somebody's got to take care of the kids, and I don't want to feel guilty that I put my wife down there to take care of the kids because I need to take care of the kids, and I don't want to look like a bad dad. I don't want to look a good husband. Where do I sit? It's not, I just, when I walk into a room and it's a wedding or it's an environment or it's a party or whatever, and they say, oh, it's a signed seating. I'm like, just go find my name. I don't have to worry about who likes me, who doesn't like me, who wants to talk to me, who doesn't want to talk to me. And in my age now at 48 years old, I don't care. I just walk in and I just sit down at the table. Everybody else can just figure out where to sit. Just sit down. Like there's chaos and kids yelling. This is when our kids were more, smaller and younger, you know. But I just sit. Let every, and I'm like looking at my wife now. I'm like, I got my seat. She's like, Yeah, but don't we want to sit by here and sit by there? And sit by there. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> She's caring. I'm not. I want to sit down. I want to eat. Come on, amen. In there, want to eat? Let's eat. Years ago, I went out to dinner. Maybe I'm scarred for that. Maybe it seems weird. I mean, the Bible talks about this kind of stuff. It says, don't, when you go and sit at a dinner, don't go to the good seat, go to the other seat. And then you go to the lower seat and then you get pulled, called up to the good seat. And then you sit at the good seat because they invited you up to the good seat, but you didn't take it on your own. So you didn't take the honor to yourself. It's like, ah, what seat do I sit in? It's biblical. I went out to dinner with my boss and he was like, his wife and him, my wife wasn't there, a table, four chairs, 
for some reason, I've had a brain freeze and I walked up. He was in the bathroom and I sat right by his wife, Miss Ann. He walks back out of the table. He's like, could I sit by my wife for dinner? I'm like, this is really awkward. I don't know why I just sat by your wife. It, was just, it just wasn't assigned. I needed the assigned seat. I needed to know where my seat was. The Bible says you have an assigned seat and it's to be seated in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. In Christ. When you aren't in that seat, everything else is confusing. Where do I sit? Who am I? What's my purpose? Who wants to talk to me? Who doesn't? Am I offended? Am I not offended? Where do I sit? What? It's just too complicated to navigate where you're supposed to sit. You're supposed to sit in one seat. You're not supposed to sit in worry and fear and anxiety and, 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 and stuck in that divorce that happened five years ago and you're never going to get through it or stuck in that abuse that happened or stuck in the price of eggs or stuck in the price of the top mark or the next election or uh, they're in and this and that. And oh, uh, ah, what seat do I sit in? 30,000 foot in Christ. Some things that Christ affords us when we're in him it says that in him you find out who you are and what you're living for. Yes. It's in him. If you don't learn to sit in him, you'll be defined by every other thing out there. If you don't learn to sit in him, everybody else will tell you who you are and what you're living for. Yes. Cultural brand you, friend groups will brand you, agendas will brand you, whatever it is. Politics will brand you, whatever it is. We have to learn to sit in Christ. Can I tell you that, that proximity doesn't equal intimacy? Yeah. You can be in this room with Christ, coming to church, and not be in Christ. God sets you in Christ. You have salvation in Christ. No devil in hell can get you out of Christ. But you can see people in this day and age, a family around a table, they could be sitting by one another, but they're on their phones and there's no intimacy, but they have proximity. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being in Jesus. There's four things that I want to share with you today. When you're in Christ, it's important for you to figure out that you have, or that you to have a revelation that you have every spiritual blessing in Christ. You have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every blessing. Every blessing. Every blessing. Every blessing. Every, 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 every spiritual blessing in Jesus. You've got to understand that today because you will never, ever, ever produce something you don't believe you possess. You cannot produce what you don't believe you possess. And if you don't believe it's down in you, if you don't believe that self-control and gentleness and kindness and forgiveness and agape love and acceptance and wholeness and purpose in God, if you don't believe that stuff is in you, you will never produce it. If you don't believe the calling of God is in you, and so in Christ, it's, you find out who you are and what you're living for, and we're not going to allow any other voice to name us or define us. It's going to be Jesus. It says, long before we had heard of Christ, he had his eye on us. Listen to this. Uh, he had designs on us for glorious living. Number one, you are designed by God for glorious living. You're designed. He designed you. Nothing in your life is missing. There's nothing. You, you got to quit picking on your eyes and your face and your hair. And you do look like this. And I don't look like that. And I wish I looked like that. And I wish I had this gift and that talent and that skill and this gift. And that. No, you got everything he wants you to have. Well, I don't have what I want. Well, he didn't want you to have it. He's designed you for glorious living. He's put his design on you. Satan can't lie to you. People can't reject you. If, if God has accepted you, nobody can reject you. God has accepted you. You are designed by God. It's kind of like this. Boy meets girl. You might not feel it, right? You might not feel like that. Boy meets girl. 30 minutes into the, into the connection, girl likes him kind of, puts his last name behind her name. 
Yeah, it happens. 30 minutes in, she begins to think about her life of what it would look like being married to that guy. Come on, y'all know y'all have a list. Don't act like there ain't no lists. He says something. He doesn't have any idea. He says something stupid because it happens. (laughs) And she gets ticked off. And she says, I'm mad. And he goes, what are you mad? She says, you ruined my whole life. (laughs) He says, I just said I hate cats. (laughs) Yeah. But she had a design on him for glorious living for her entire life. Here's what, he might not have known it. Here's here's what I'm going to say. God has a design on you. God stamped his name behind your name. God has stamped you with his name. You might not feel it. You might not know it. It might not seem like it, but God's name is on you. You've been designed by God. He is committed to continue to build and bless and design everything he's called you to. I just, I don't, you, I said it this way. You are not an abstract piece of art. You're not. Like, I don't, I don't, I have some family that's into art. They put, you ever seen those pieces of art? It's like, just like paint on. They're like, it's worth $77 million. It's priceless. Everybody goes to the, to the museum. I hate museums. They go to the museum and like, stand there like, ooh, what do you think it means? Ah, what do you think his intentions were? Ooh, what is he inferring there? Well, that's the beauty of art. No one can tell, but the creator knows. Ooh. Some high dude splattering paint in his, in his homeless state in some flat in New York somewhere. And then some other art strange weirdo says, it's priceless. You, can, can I tell you that like, we don't have to infer what we were designed for. We don't have to guess at the creator's intention for our life. It's in Christ. We can look at Jesus. We can look at how he walked. We can look at how he lived. We can look at how he served. We can look at how he gave. We can look at what he did. We can read the Bible. We don't have to infer what humanity is supposed to look like. We don't have to guess. What do you think the creator meant? And everybody's standing around going, oh, I wonder what the creation and the artist meant with humanity. No. And if you, if you don't know this, then you allow some strange, cultural, weird situation to place value on you and tell you what your value is. But we don't get our value from that. We get our value from being in Jesus and called to worship God. Yeah, amen, little man. Or little girl. I don't know which one. I can't see. But amen. It is in Christ that you once heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation. You found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered. Number two, you're destined. Number one, you're designed. Number two, you're destined for a glorious life. Well, Pastor, I don't know if I'm going to have a glorious life. I've been through too much. You're destined for it. You're destined for it. That, that it says that you've been signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. If you've given your life to Christ, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You are destined. And it says not only destined, not only sealed, you have an earnest payment, a deposit on your life from God. So the seal means this. When Paul was writing this book in, the, in Ephesus, in the town, there was a port, a famous port, that logs would come in from the Black Sea. And these logs would come in, and the log merchants, the merchants would go down... And they would mark the logs that they purchased and that they wanted. They would seal them. And then those logs might sit there for a year, for six months, for two months. The logs would sit aside. But when other people came to get logs, they would see the mark and the seal of those merchants on those logs. And they couldn't touch those logs. 
Paul's saying that you are sealed, that when anything comes to mess with your life, you've been sealed by God, that things cannot get through the seal. No devil in hell. I know things happen. I know it's not always just roses, but no devil in hell can get to the seal that's on your life eternally. You're destined to become what God called you to be. You're destined to behave. <laughs> You're destined to walk with God. You're destined to be good enough. I don't feel good enough. You're destined for it. Not only are you destined, you have a down payment, an earnest payment. It says you have, you've been sealed with an earnest payment. What is earnest payment? If we were doing a house deal, if I was buying a house or you're buying a house, Gary, and I was buying the house from you, I would take a down payment. I would take earnest money and I would give you a down payment, a deposit, really uh, earnest money. And that money, they say it was uh, $50,000. That's a nice house and for a little down payment, putting a $50,000 down payment down and you've got the money. You're selling the house. I'm buying the house. I've given you the earnest money. I have 45 days to close on the deal. I walk away. We don't speak for 45, 30, 45 days. We don't even see each other. Uh, all kinds of stuff could be going on in my life. I could have bills piling up. I could have a mess in my, in my situation. I could have all kinds of distractions. I could have everything going on, but you know, and you don't care just because I've been silent for 45 days. It doesn't matter because I've given you a deposit and you know that I'm committed to the direction of that deposit. The deposit is a guarantee that I'm going to come back and give you the rest of the money to get everything that I intended to purchase. God is saying that he's put a down payment on your life and it might feel like he's not speaking. It might feel like a lot of distractions have been going on in the time frame when he's going to close on the deal, but God is committed to you to bring obligated to you to bring the fullness of all of what he has planned for you to pass on your behalf. Not, not just, not just one day in heaven on earth for glorious living that God, the father, literally that God is obligated to complete the good work he started in your life. And I just want to encourage you. You have a destined to have God do everything he's called you to do. You're going to get it. Second Corinthians one twenty two says he who has sealed us has also given us the spirit into our hearts as a guarantee or a deposit. God is not going to abandon his deposit in your life. I hope that encourages you. I got a few minutes left with you. I think of you and I give thanks, Paul says, but I do more than thank. I ask God, our father, our master of Jesus, uh, the God of glory to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally, that your eyes may be focused and clear so that you can see exactly what he's calling you to do. You have a calling. Number three, you are discerning. You're designed. You're destined. You're discerning. I pray for you to be discerning. Paul's prayed for you to be discerning. Jesus is praying for you to be discerning that you would actually know God. Not about him, that you would know him, that you would hear his voice, that you'd hear him when he says, I don't want you to act like that. I want you to do this. I, I want you to move here. I want you to give that. I want you to, to obey here, that you would begin to discern. And then it says, when you begin to discern God and what he wants from you, you would be clear and focused, that you'd have a clarity on actually how to serve God with your life. Our heart here is uh, many, many facets of how we do church and, and love people and serve. We have small group, connect group leaders and, and teams. We need you on teams. Uh, you're not called just to be in the room. You're called to be in Christ. And when you're in Christ, we're part of a battleship. We're part of an army. And so if you're not plugged in, get plugged in. Get on a team. Sign up. Talk to somebody. Go to plugged in. Figure out how God's called you to serve here and to build here and to love people here. Because if you're here, then God's called you here. And you're, you're destined and discerning to figure out why. God, what do you want from me? 
How do I serve? How do I do this? And clarity, clarity, when you get clear about, okay, what is it? It could be, you might feel like, I don't have a role here. You do. There's something. It might be a door. It might be bringing a little, a little muffins to put back in the serve room so people can eat those. I don't know. There's a role for everybody. And when you get, when you get clear, you get committed. Some of you like to stay murky so you don't have to be committed. I just don't know. You've been saying that for five years. It's boot camp. It's like, okay, now I'll get clear. Whenever things are not clear to me, I am not devoted. Uh, Let me just say it this way. I hate to swim in the ocean. I do not want to swim with things that can eat me. I don't love lakes because I believe there's alligators in them too. So, so I remember years ago, I was at the ocean. I called shark. I was like yelling fire. I yelled shark. It was a big old sea cow. I'm like, shark, you know, everybody's getting out. It's embarrassing. Every time I go to the ocean, it's shark week. Come on, any, every channel. And they're like, oh, and then they're like, look, they, they're swimming close to the shore. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, it's a hammerhead. Yeah, once I saw the video, aerial footage of those things, I, I'm not swimming in the ocean. I don't, I don't do it. I want to see what's eating me. I want to have an eye to eye. And I, and I just, when I go swimming with my kids when they were little, I'm sorry, I repent right now to my daughter. When they were little, come on, anybody in the ocean can't see a thing? All of a sudden, you feel a little fin just brush up right against your leg. Shh, ah, I, go, I go through, off the water, walk on water like Jesus. And I, ah, kids are behind me, come on! Ah. My wife's like, you left all three kids. I'm like, ah, diving in, I'm getting to the shore. Touch a crab, ah, come on, something's eating me. Zero devotion when things are not clear. Leave my kids out to drown. Not committed. When you get clear, when you get clear of God's call, when you get discerning on the call of God on your life, you can begin to commit and be devoted and not be casual with this, but go, you know what? This is changing the planet. This is not peripheral. This is the center of my world. How can I build, serve, give, go, love, forgive? How? how? Ask God. We're not just in the room. We're in Christ. And the last one is you're dominant. You're dominant. You're dominant. The Bible says that the church has endless energy and boundless strength. That you are dominant. You are not called to walk around like, I'm just so, and I'm never going to make it, and I don't know, and I can't, and what if we, and I'm just so stressed, I'm just so anxious, and what about the world, and how is this, and what are we going to do, and how are we going to make it, and what is that going to happen, and what about the city, and what about the guns, and what about the rules, and what about the, the laws, and what about, and ah, ah, you are dominant. The Bible says it this way in Ephesians 3. It's the last verse, and I want to pray for you. Ephesians 3, and to make all see, this is us, what the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Listen why. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places, according to the eternal purposes of God. Why do we lift our hands in worship? Because you're declaring to powers and principalities that are in the air, that are in the room, that are at your house, that are over this region. You literally are singing and worshiping, praying. 
Everything that we're doing here is not to do church. It's because we are called. When I preach, I am preaching to powers and principalities in the air, over this city, over your homes, over your families. When you lift your hands in worship and you give your hands up to God, you're declaring to powers and principalities, surrender. You're declaring, I can't make it without God. I don't like to lift my hands. He likes you to. Give him the avocado toast. Give him the good stuff. You are dominant. You're not just barely making it cuddled up in some little corner in, in something called church. And we're just going to go in here and sing a few songs. And go. You dominate in love. Love never fails. You might not feel like you're so dominant, but you are seated in Christ. Gary, would you help me out? The Bible says that we're seated in Christ. That from 30,000 feet that you and I are blessed with every spiritual blessing, every, 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 every spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing that we're seated in Christ. If you don't believe it's in you, you will never produce it if you don't think you possess it, but you have every spiritual blessing. A lot of times we're okay with being seated with Christ though. And Jesus is on this big throne sitting by the father and the Bible says that we're seated in Christ, but oftentimes we're seated with Christ and we begin to worry and we get in the seat of worry and it begins to pull us away and we, oh, 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 and we pull ourselves back to, to being seated with Christ and and then we begin to stress out about, about this family situation. Then we get pulled and, oh, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let anybody change me. And then you, you think you're controlling everything, everything, but you're actually being controlled and pulled. I'm not going to submit or surrender to anything. I'm not going to plug in and serve at a church or I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not worthy enough. I was born like this or I'll never be able to get through this habit. I'll never be able to be patient. I, this is just the way I am. And you begin to take on seats that were never assigned to you. And my question for you and I today is that what seat are we sitting in that wasn't assigned to us? Is it a seat of fear? Is it a seat of anxiety? A seat of bitterness or anger? Is it a seat of, I, I don't have to change? Is it a seat that I'm not worthy? What seat are you sitting in that was never assigned to you? Because the Bible says I'm seated in Christ and whatever I'm seated in, whatever happens to it happens to me. And I'm seated right here in Jesus. And last I checked, Jesus was seated at the right hand of God and nothing was moving Jesus chair. Nothing was moving Jesus seat. No demon in hell can get me out of the seat when I'm seated in Christ. If he was raised from the dead, I was raised from the dead. If he's alive, I'm alive. If he's blessed, I'm blessed. I'm seated in Jesus. I'm in Jesus today and I can't be moved. Where, where, are you, where are you sitting that you haven't been assigned? I should have. I would have. I could have. I regret. I didn't. I should have. I said it this way first service. Stop shooting all over yourself. <laughs> My wife's so mad at me right now. I mean, I can't even get out of this seat. <laughs> no, and I can't pray for you because I feel sacrilegious. No pun intended. <laughs> but I'm in Christ. And I just want to encourage you today, Gary, will you help me? <laughs> Look at that. It's hard to get out of that when you get into him. And, and don't, just don't let what 
Don't let anything pull you out of your position today. I know there's so many worries. I'm not discounting the worry. I'm not discounting the situations. But don't get into a seat that can be manipulated by everything else. Be founded in him. Be grounded in him. Find your position so you can practice what he's called you to practice. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for today. Lord, I pray for me. I pray for us. Lord, any seat we've been placed into that wasn't assigned to us, I pray to God we would quit taking matters into our own hands. Lord, I thank you for your word that says we're in you, that we don't have to take it into our own hands. So many people in here are tired today. I've been tired at times taking it into my own hands. Getting in every chair that's been manipulated and pulled and the stress and all of life, God, that's in my own hands. Lord, could I just please just sit in you again? Lord, I pray for individuals today that are tired, that just need to sit down in you, that they've been assigned one seat in Christ. And maybe they've found themselves in a different, different chair that they've, shouldn't be in today. If you're in the room, I want to pray for you. You say, Pastor, you know what? I'm a little tired. I'm in the wrong seat. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Would you just put your hand up to me? I've been in a seat that's been moving around on me a little bit. I need to get back in Christ. Hands across the house. No judgment in that. I have my hand up. There's seats I jump into and the enemy, his job is to try to get you to a chair that you weren't assigned to so he can control you and move you around on wheels. Father, we, with our hands up, surrender and say, we're going to sit down in you right now. We're going to, we're going to believe every day it's assigned seating from the morning to the evening, from the rising of the sun till it's going down. Lord, we're assigned to sit in you. Just for another second, if you're in this room and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, like literally said, you know what? I'm going to sit down in you, Jesus. I'm going to trust you to lead my life. I'm tired of carrying my own weight, leading my own life. Maybe you've been carrying the guilt or the shame or your own sins. Maybe you didn't feel guilty, but you know that you have been leading your own life. And today you know, man, you know what? I need Jesus. I need forgiven. The Bible says you were dead in sin and only Jesus can raise you to life. Maybe today's the day you actually sit down in Christ. You've been around him. You've come to church. You've been with others that know him, but maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I've never sat down in Jesus. I've never trusted him for heaven for salvation, for the forgiveness of my sins. If you're watching online or you're in the room and you say, I need a fresh start. I'm not gonna embarrass you or stand you up. I'm gonna pray for you in a second. But that's why we, that's really why we live, why we exist, so people can have fresh starts in God, can be changed in God. And the Bible says this, if you would give your life to Jesus, not clean yourself up, not fix yourself, none of that. If you just, if you just sit down in that, in that seat, that sit down in what he did, just give your life to Jesus. Jesus, you take control. You get a fresh start in God. If you're watching online right now, would you just type in fresh start? We want to pray with you. Every week we have people online saying yes to Christ. If you're in this room, you say, Pastor, pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up high to me right now? I need a fresh start with God. I'm ready to actually give my life to Christ. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for your honesty. Anybody else? Thank you for your courage. I need a fresh start. Thank you, ma'am. I see that in the back. Thank you for your honesty and boldness. I see that. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Lord, you see every heart. You know every hand. You know every eternity. You know you've marked and designed us. You've destined us to be with you. Lord, when the world is full of chaos, it can't add value to us. We're your kids. We find out why we live and why we exist in you, Jesus. I thank you for every person that's raised their hand today. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Would you just pray this prayer with me? Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for me on that cross. 
I believe you took my shame and my sin and my guilt. I turned from it. I believe you rose from the dead to give me a brand new life. I sit down in you right now. Holy Spirit, lead and guide my life the rest of my days. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's give God a big, big, big round of praise. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.